RadioInfluence.com. to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance. I am Jeff Kershell. We're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. We have a really busy show today, so we're going to kick it off with a quick start. Today, we're going to talk about technology and sport coming off the Olympics. A lot of conversation around technology doping. We've talked about it before on the show, but there's a whole new conversation brewing, and it's going a little further this time around. We'll talk about that in a second. And as fall sport returns, we're going to talk with Crush Favorite Manny Schmidt from Link Management International. There are a lot of things we need to think about as we head back to the fall sporting season. And we're going to talk about that with Manny. And then on the technology side, we're going to look at some of the things that are available right now, probably in your local sporting store that can help push your performance to new levels. We're going to talk with our good friend and Crush Favorite Kelly Hodson from United Sport and Cycle about some of the hot things down at the store right now, especially as the hockey season approaches. And we're not just talking performance here. The technology is also enhancing player uh, safety and helping us reduce injuries, which is an important part of that whole equation. But boy, oh boy, technology is now allowing us to do some things that we've never been able to do before. And, and, And it's getting concerning at some levels. Coming off the Tokyo Olympics, there's a couple stories that I've been following quite closely on this very topic. And one of the main points in the conversation is the potential for putting limits on technology in sports as simple as running, where there's not a lot of uh, technology involved. But if you look at the impact the Nike Vaporfly has had on that sport, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. The shoe was introduced by Nike in 2007, and it's got a real interesting construction. It uses a carbon fiber midsole plate stores and releases energy as the runners are are going through their strides. It acts as kind of a slingshot or catapult that propels them forward. And the shoe has a midsole foam that also contributes to increased running economy. Now, when they measured it, uh, runners who used the shoe were 4 to 5% faster than runners wearing the average shoe. Now, if you look at it, 4% on a runner that runs a 2-hour, 10-minute marathon, that's a 3.5 minute improvement just because of the shoe. There was another report done on the shoe because it's so light. They found that over a 40,000 foot strike marathon, you save the energy that would equal lifting a small vehicle. So between efficiency, energy transfer, and all the biomechanics that go into it, this shoe is changing the sport. Do we need to limit shoes? Well, take a look at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. That's where Speedo introduced its revolutionary laser racer swimsuit. It's a head-to-toe swimsuit that mimics shark skin. It decreases the drag in the water, increases buoyancy, And also helped athletes in terms of compression in their muscles. But it was so effective that it reduced water resistance by 38% compared to what was used at the time, the ordinary Lycra suits. It was a massive advantage for the swimmers, so much so that 25 records fell at the Beijing Olympics. 23 of them were by athletes wearing the laser suits. That's how incredibly powerful the technology is. I mean, we've seen restrictions before. We know there's restrictions in golf, in uh, club length, club head size, the size and the density of the ball. There's limitations in hockey in terms of how big the goalie equipment can be now, the curves of the sticks. You know, we have limitations, but have we gone far enough? Or how far do we allow it to go to enhance human performance? Well, that's a discussion we're going to get into today with Kelly Hodson from United Sport and Cycle. What's available for us? 
right in our backyard sports stores, oh, I think you're going to be amazed. But before we get to that, we're going to talk to Manny Schmidt about the return of sport. There are a lot of things we need to discuss coming off this COVID downtime as sport fires up this fall. And we're going to get into it right after this with Manny Schmidt. A very important sport conversation coming up right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at CrushPerformance.com. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Questions, comments, smart remarks. You know we love them all. So get to us. We answer every message we get. Or if you have an idea, you might need some help, let us know. That's what we do. We answer every message we get. And if we don't have the answer, I'm telling you right now, in our network, we know somebody that will have that answer. And that's what it's all about. So, so please do write and follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on all of the social media platforms, search out Crush Performance. All right, I want to jump right into it. We are joined now by our good friend, Manny Schmidt from Lincoln Management. Manny is a CFL and NHLPA certified player agent. Manny, thanks for joining us here as we head into the fall sporting season. So great you could join us. Glad to have you on. Excellent, Jeff. It is uh, a pleasure, as always, to be on with you and your energy and your great audience. So, uh, yeah, just uh, thrilled to be here with you. Yep, awesome. Well, there's actually a lot of important things to talk about here, Manny, as we uh, sort of get set for the upcoming hockey season. Of course, this conversation uh, reaches well, well beyond hockey. But, you know, with your players getting ready and, of course, uh, with the absence of a competitive season last year, the landscape has changed quite quickly uh, even though we're heading into what looks like a fairly normal fall season, there's still some things I think we need to be conscious of. Would that be would that be fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I think that, um, and this is one thing that I'm I'm interested to to see how we continue to evolve because I think when we go through what we have in the last you know 15 to 20 months, um, as significant as it was, where league society had basically shut down is there's a lot of lessons to be learned um, and taken from that time. And I'm going to be interested to see uh, to what extent have we learned those lessons? Um, how, what, what are we taking away from that time where, you know, the development of players um, in terms of game action, in terms of even just straight training and everything else, how is, how is that going to be impacted and how do people take that, the learnings from that phase and, uh, uh, to use it going forward, not just in sport, but in life. I, I like that, Manny. There is a lot to learn here. I mean, this is something that we're going to look back on. Well, we have to learn from this because uh, if anything like this ever happens again, we're going to be much better equipped to handle it for sure. Uh, but there are a lot of things to learn here, but we're still sort of in a phase of unknown because we're going into a competitive season after missing a competitive season. You know, you and I have talked at length about um, how we should manage ourselves through the shutdown in absence of competitive games or even team practices. And those conversations, I'm going to tell you, have helped a lot of people. Uh, and it's really, really uh, sort of maybe helped people deal with the absence of the competitive thing. And one thing that I was really interested in when you and I talked last in our Kids of COVID series was the fact that there might be an advantage to this, you know, getting away from the structure of the game and the overscheduling of practice, travel and competitive schedules uh, to get back to maybe some fun, some fundamentals and basic long-term development. And, and I, I think, um, would it be fair to say for those athletes and maybe even teams that really embrace the opportunity there, there's a massive advantage that may pay off here as we get back to sport. Yeah. So much gold in, in that, that statement, uh, Jeff, and, and in that question, um, you know, one of the things that we're finding and seeing is there's an increased gap um, in, in, in some ways, I guess I would almost call it the, the mental strength or mental toughness gap that played such a significant part in, um, in players' development. And what I mean by that is there's that group of players who did use that time 
and got back to some basics and got back to um, what am I going to do to to really enhance my skills when this thing gets back? And there are other guys um, that took the time to, it's an off season, right? It's an off season. I'm going to relax. And and the gap between the, the high performers and those that the mental strength group versus the other has it really expanded. And we're seeing that where you know, some guys have shown up um, showing up to camp significantly overweight, significantly, um, you know, just out of tune, so to speak. And so I think that um, that's one thing that uh, we should, well, a lesson we definitely should and need to take away is that, um, and we talked about it before, Jeff, is that a whole adversity factor. When we have adversity, adversity can be an opportunity. It depends on how we look at it and how we utilize it. And I think that's the difference is some players utilized it as an opportunity and others saw it as adversity and couldn't overcome that, that element, that barrier, that challenge that, ah, my life is terrible. This is sucks. I can't be playing, et cetera. And when you get stuck onto that treadmill, um, it's hard to come out of it. So that's a great thing. Yeah, no, it sure is. Manny. And sorry, you just brought up a really important point. I think there especially for those older players where the window and the operate window of opportunity is already starting to, to narrow on them, um, missing a competitive season to, you know, show your, your, your skill rates and showcase your skills. Um, man, that was tough for a lot of athletes and, you know, the Olympic athletes included, thank goodness uh, those games went off the way they did, despite all of the, I guess the unrest around, around those games, just for the athletes, I'm talking for the athletes. What, Oh, gold medal for the IOC and, and everybody in Tokyo to make that happen because that window is so small, Manny. And I can see athletes, you know, getting caught up in the despair of that, that lost time. Um, You need good people around you. Let's just face it. Nobody in sport does it alone. You and I have talked about this for years. You need good people around you. And I got to say, you know, some organizations did a tremendous job of supporting, motivating and keeping their players engaged, regardless of where they're at in their careers. And others just didn't. They were sort of out on an island on their own, especially for those players who are maybe sort of in between organizations, sort of sort of on their own. Man, boy, what a tough spot to be in. And that is an incredible point, Jeff, where um, one of the things that I have observed from an organizational standpoint. There are some organizations that have absolutely stood out to me over these last 15 months. The way they managed it, the way they managed their players, the way they managed the families of the players um, and brought them in on this, right? And under- understood all of that. Um, and there are some more and some organizations that I go, man, like really? You have no contact with your guys, you have no and so even from an organizational standpoint in sports you had an opportunity to differentiate yourself and some did and some didn't. We're talking with Manny Schmidt, founder, president and CEO of link management. You can check out their incredible information at linkmgmt.co. Manny, Hey, you know, you mentioned something there that also resonates with me. And this is one of the reasons we love having you on the show, but you know, everybody gets so focused on the athletes themselves, but they're just people. They're just guys. They're just girls, you know, working their way through their personal uh, professions. Uh, But there's so much more than just hockey players or volleyball players or football players. They have families, they have friends, and that's something that's often lost, especially uh, uh, um, in the media, you know, where we focus on the individuals so much. You have the organization, as you mentioned, which is incredibly important, but also you have the players home team, which is their family and friends. And, and that's a huge part of the developmental equation. Yeah. You know, we, we look at it and we refer to it as your performance team, right? I mean, at, in our, we talked uh, about um, Link as the Link family. And, and within that, every one of our guys, we ask them, like, who's, who is your performance team, right? If, if you're going to be sort of that CEO of your sport business and ultimately even beyond that, who, who can you rely on? Who do you pull in on? Who do you um, bring in? And, and that support team, or we, as we say, the performance team, is so critically important. Um, because the way the team either supports you and or engages with you throughout this journey as an athlete um, 
will make or break many of the athletes, right? You think of the these Olympic athletes that you just referred to um, in terms of how tight that window is. The success in many ways is almost entirely dependent upon the work you put in, but also the people you surround yourself with and that you can truly rely on, right? If you look at a, you know, a tremendous athlete like a Jennifer Heil or a, the way that they created the team around themselves and said, okay, this isn't just me doing this, we're doing this. And how do we, um, how do we uh, achieve success and achieve the goal within the window that we have? And so I think that the point you bring up um, is so critical for any athlete to understand. Yeah. And at the end of the day, uh, we also have to realize that the athlete is responsible. And we can't give them outs. We can't go easy on them. We can't give them outs. We can't give them uh, um, escape routes. They have to be accountable and uh, we have to hold them accountable for the expectations they have for themselves. And that's part of the system as well. And that's where that's where sport can get tough. You mentioned the great uh, female mogul skier, Canadian mogul skier, Jen Heil. Jen Heil is a classic example. You know, before she actually climbed to the top of the world in that sport, uh, she was injury prone and broken and, you know, working hard and doing everything that she thought was right until she realized that it wasn't right. She actually had the tenacity and the people around her. She took the time to go talk to a bunch of people around her and she wound up taking a season off against the advice of everybody in the sport. Everybody thought she was crazy to take a year off. She took that year. She rebuilt herself. She came back healthy, better athlete, more capable, more durable. And then she dominated the world for how many years after that with gold medals, world cups. She was unstoppable. But think about that process. You know, looking back at the great uh, Jen Heil, um, man, you know, that doesn't, sport hasn't changed. That process hasn't changed. I just don't think a lot of athletes have the tenacity or the wherewithal to actually do something as extreme as Jen did. But boy, did it pay off there. Yeah, and those are, you said they can be highly um, perceived as highly risk-driven um, uh, decisions, but yet when you're working as a team and you're fine-tuning it, those are the key decisions that are that are the difference between all the golds and world championships at Gen One, and maybe never having won any of those. And right. so I think those are key um, to that process. But the thing that you brought up, I think that is all paramount to all of that and that is above it is accountability yeah um right it's it's being accountable truly accountable to that outcome that you desire um as an athlete um and and having not just you know not just using that as a phrase but truly understanding what does accountability look like for me as an athlete um how do i be accountable in my off season how do i how am i accountable in the preseason how does that accountability shift and look like during the in-season phase? Um, that accountability piece is so key. And I just, I love the fact that you brought that up. Yeah, no, it really truly is. We're talking with Manny Schmidt, founder and president of Link Management. Uh, you can check out their great information at linkmgmt.co. That's their website. Uh, Manny, you know, you know, all that said, um, we play sport to enjoy it. We play sport for the social part of it. We play sport because we're competitive. Competitive. We like to challenge ourselves. Uh, and also, you know, it's maybe one of the most fundamental human things out there. Um, uh, as we head into this hockey season, there are a lot of families getting ready for an upcoming season from grassroots right up to elite high school to college, right up to the pros. Uh, and it's an exciting time. You know, with that missing competitive season, um, you know, there is going to be some changes in the landscape. I'm still quite adamant, Manny, that we can't go into this season as if it were a normal season. I think we're going to have to use some form of caution. I would love to see a modified early season program where we might have more practices than games than we might normally have. I'd love to see that in all sports, to tell you the truth. If we, if we were, you know, I often joke on the show that if I was ever voted king of sports, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's one thing I would change. And that's the amount of competition as we pull the pin and start every competitive season. It's right into competitions. Most athletes are not competition ready at the start of the season. Now, in the pro levels, don't get me wrong. I, I totally understand that. That you got you get ready, but they also have the wherewithal, the time, the finances, and the support to be ready for that competitive season. But in the amateur levels, Manny, 
Um, any words yeah. of advice for families and players getting ready for this upcoming season? Yeah, that's uh, that's great uh, insight that that you provide, Jeff. I think um, the one thing that I've observed in this off season as the anticipation towards the quote unquote normal season comes back, right? I think that's everybody's talking about. Okay, we're going to have a normal season, and that becomes that's almost become the phrase of of the day with everybody. My concern is that the anticipation of the normal has created the urgency of the everything, okay? And what I mean by that is um, everybody is is going back to almost having this mindset of more is better. I got to be on the ice two, three times a day. I've got to be, I've got to do all these things. And frankly, um, on the, on, you know, feeding that system is you've also have a lot of um, people in the business of sport, skills coaches, et cetera, who have lost a lot of revenue. And so this there, this is an opportunity for them to, hey, I'm gonna have another camp. I'm gonna offer another camp. Okay. And all of a sudden you get this, you get this momentum, and I'm seeing families like nonstop training and everything else. And you're trying to make up for lost time. Well, we all know that time can't be made up. It's impossible. It's so, but I you know, it's important for us going forward, and that's what we're spending so much time with our players and our families and uh, talking about is don't look in retrospect. What you did or didn't do, it is what it is, but now let's look at what it can be. What does, how do we manage the process going forward not to blow ourselves up? And, and, and I'm going to be interested to see, you know, in this coming up season, how teams manage their players, how players' um, endurance holds up, because I, I, I've seen firsthand the amount of players that have just overdone it. Um, and I just don't know how they're going to sustain that moving into a full regular season um, because they just felt that they had to. And I, I just I, I'm anticipating um, a high level of, of sort of performance burnout come December, January, a high level of injuries just because the body um, is not made, whether it's a high performance body or not, it's not made to uh, sustain that level of, of high performance training, that rest recovery that you and I talk about so often, um, I think has, has almost taken a back seat because, oh, we had rest recovery, now let's just go. So the diet, um, nutrition, the hydration, like the detail stuff has almost been forgotten a little bit for the purpose of, we just got to do more to get ready. And and that's a concern for me heading into the season. Yeah, no, well said. I love a couple of things you mentioned there, you know, just uh, being concerned about lost time and everybody trying to make up for lost time. But I also like this two words that you said, performance burnout. I'm really worried with you, Manny. So we'll watch with great interest. And I hope for our audience, you guys pay heed to this because listen, training is a form of stress, competition and playing the game as fun it is, as it is, it's a form of stress, whether it's physical stress or depending on how you deal with it and how much pressure you put on yourself, there's mental stresses there. We've all been stressed. We know how it breaks us down. We know how it wears us out. Um, and if you don't manage recovery uh, along with that stress, whether it's training stress, competitive stress, or even, you know, cognitive mental stress, boy, oh boy, mm -hmm. you could dig yourself a hole really, really quick, Manny. It's such an important conversation right now. I love, this is exactly what I was hoping we'd talk about here because uh, parents and players, organizations, coaches all need to be hyper aware of this as we head back to sport. Yeah, it. Uh, I think, and you know, the, the the people that you know, going back to that conversation we just had a few minutes ago about the performance team. I think this is where the performance team comes in because yeah. sometimes I find that you know the organization or the parents or they get into this mindset that we got to make up for lost time, and the athlete gets put into it as a result of you know, sort of being fit or having the roadmap created for them. So, you know, the, the parents say, Hey, we got to make up for lost time because they don't have some of that knowledge. So they're just putting their kids into camp after camp after camp. Then the organization is like, okay, we got to just, you know, we're going to go all out instead of understanding the, the elements of performance, what is really truly going to create the best athletes over the course of the season and beyond. Right. And I think, uh, um, you're, again, this is where certain organizations are going to be able to, to differentiate themselves because I do really believe that um, 
not managing that process, you're going to see some some organizations that may get off to great starts, and you're going to see them drop off because their their players just haven't had the ability to sustain themselves over the course of the full season. Yeah, no, you're so right. I like your comment on the performance team. You know, a lot of families out there and the communities don't have performance teams. And, you know, uh, I just humbly say, you know, we've worked really hard here at Crush Performance to maybe help fill that void, you know, uh, you know, for people who don't have experts in their corner, hopefully, you know, the show and through email, we help out as many people as we can. So if you do have questions, um, please do reach out crushperformance.com is the website info crush performance is our email. Check out link management as well, Manny uh, link mgmt.co. Uh, I know the guys there, if you have questions or if you want to talk with Manny or anybody on his team, they're really, really happy to do so. Manny Schmidt. Oh my gosh. We could talk for hours on this one. I, I want to revisit this. Maybe let's say October, uh, November, once the season gets off to a start, let's see where we're at and what we're thinking then. Uh, but such a powerful, smart and timely conversation today, Manny. And thanks so much for that. Yeah, Jeff, you're so welcome. And, and let me say, you know, the, the element of, of creating a performance system around yourself, it might be one of the most least expensive things you can do, but one of the most important, right? Right. Look at look at the information that you and your team put out. Families, they need to spend time looking into that. And I, I would highly encourage, like, just do some research. Look at the, the crush information that you guys put out for families and heed to it, right? Um, it's... It's so critical. Uh, I highly encourage you, Jeff, you and your group do such a great job in terms of the education and filling that void. So, um, yeah, big thanks to you. I know you guys have had a huge impact on on us as an organization and uh, and our athletes. And so um, just really want to uh, encourage and position uh, you guys as one of those key resources to achieve um, performance uh, overall as an athlete and in life. And so. Um, Thank you very much for that. Uh, you got it, Manny. That's what it's all about. And honestly, it's conversations like this that really do make it all happen. So much appreciated. Well, hey, off to the races for you and all your players, Manny. We'll be following you guys. Uh, you got some great social media that, that we follow on Instagram and LinkedIn and all the other places. So uh, keep it coming. Good luck to everybody there, Manny, and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Jeff. All, uh, all the best to you and look forward to uh, reconnecting uh, down the road here. Okay, well, there is one great conversation with our good friend Manny Schmidt from Link Management. Listen, this is a uh, philosophical conversation. It's a practical conversation. It's a planning conversation. It's also very enlightening. There are a lot of things there that we really do need to consider as parents, as coaches, as athletes, and as organizations as we head back into sport post-COVID here. But also, on a regular basis, things we need to be maintaining and thinking about at all times, which I think... Yeah, you know, with everything that's going on, we can get away from. So uh, got to thank Manny for that incredible conversation. That one is worthy of another listen. Uh, so stay tuned for the podcast version coming up here on Wednesday. You can uh, listen to it as many times as you want. Okay, we have to cut off for a quick break. But when we come back, we're getting back into the conversation of technology's influence on sport. Just how far does it go? And maybe even more importantly, what's available to you right now? We're going to talk with our good friend Kelly Hodson down at United Sport and Cycle about exactly that right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. performance everybody there's the cool sounds of one of our favorite bands the whale and the wolf they've got some brand new music and they're on the road now they're performing if you ever get a chance to see the whale and the wolf live 
Oh, trust me. They're one of those bands that are just so much fun and, and such great music, as you guys can hear uh, as we play them on the show here. So uh, I want to thank the guys for uh, rolling out those tunes. Well, today it has been fascinating show so far. We've talked a little bit about technology and the influence of technology in sport. We've talked with player agent Manny Schmidt about, you know, the upcoming season and just some really key strategic thinking that needs to happen at all levels of the game. Fascinating conversation with Manny right there. But when it comes to the technology side, there is so much going on and nobody better to talk to than our good friends down at United Sport and Cycle. We're joined right now by our good friend, Kelly Hodgson. Kelly, I can't help but be fascinated by technology and how it keeps advancing. Just when we think we've hit a pinnacle or something's gone as far as it could possibly go, technology takes us to another level. It's an important conversation right now, certainly in sport. And I know you have some thoughts on this as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, like you and I have spoken many times before when we're talking about the elite level, which is, you know, only a few, of course. um, But when we're talking about the elite level, everybody's looking for that edge. Um, And, you know, a lot of people are trying to do it in the gym and and doing it through, um, you know, developing their mental part of their game and all these different aspects of it. But of course, equipment plays a, a factor into that. And, um, you know, when we started talking about the game no longer being measured in seconds, but it's now milliseconds or millimeters as far as distance goes and those kinds of things. I mean, all these little things contribute to, you know, when it, when it, when it equates to the Olympics, it's, it's podium or not. And, um, you know, when you think about a lot of the different medals are being determined by such minute times or distances, um, everybody's looking to get their edge as best they can. And, and like I said, uh, equipment plays a large role in that. It certainly does. You know, I think if we look back to uh, the 2008 Beijing Olympics and maybe before that, the Olympics in Rome, I think that's where this really started stirring up the conversation in, in the pool with the Speedo laser race swimsuit. I mean, this is basically shark skin designed type of a, uh, a fabric that reduced drag in the water by 38%. And you're right. When you're talking milliseconds now between a podium and a non-podium placement, 38% is huge and it's forcing organizations and federations to put limitations on the type of equipment. I mean, if you go back to 1974, uh, the longest drive in golf, it's a world record long drive in golf is 515 yards. And if now if you look at the limitations on club length, size head, size of the ball, weight of the head, weight of the ball, there's restrictions there because while the courses are getting too short, if we were to allow this new equipment to come into play, it's madness. But I love yeah. it. But I love yeah, it. Yeah, the same thing in baseball you know, or softball, and you know what what they're doing with the bats now, and and uh, you know what they're doing with the ball and the cores and the ball and stuff. It's yeah, because they it becomes a home run derby instead of a baseball game. You know, if we don't put some um, sort of measures in place and regulations in place, and um, so I mean, yeah, there's a lot on sport right now to to number one develop products that that challenge those barriers. But two, sport to come back and make sure that the barriers are in place, that the game actually has some integrity to it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a fine balance, isn't it? I mean, I'll tell everybody right now, and I've everybody's heard me say this before, I will literally go down to United Sport and Cycle just to hang out and talk to the guys. I, I honestly, when, when, when my daughters, you know, they'll take me to the mall and I will go. But they will also come. They actually love going too because we'll walk through and we'll look at all the new equipment and we'll look at the new technology And man, we'll spend hours and hours there just looking at the stuff. I'll tell you this right now. Um, Take take the bike industry, for example. Uh, You know, I've been lucky enough to demo a few bikes there. But this recent bike that I've got, man, I'm telling you what, I had to learn how to ride that thing for almost a year before I've mastered it. I'm not even sure I've still mastered it. But the technology on this bike is now allowing me, just as a good recreational rider, to, to go places and do things I haven't been able to do before. And it's, it's incredible to me because I know we're not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it, you, you bring up a great example and, and we, we talk about it in sport as well as you can actually over buy equipment now or over try to use it. Like it, you, you mentioned the golf industry. And so one of the things about golf industry that they often talk about is, is swing speed. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure that, at impact, everything is right where it be. So you could actually swing too hard for the club that you have. And, and that equates to in baseball and say, I mean, back in the day when I was playing, it was the longest bat, the heaviest bat that you had. 
um, would probably generate the best opportunity to get the ball out of the park. But now it's about swing speed and making sure that, you know, the barrel meets the across the plate at the right moment when the ball's there and, and uh, you know, the, letting the bat technology do the work or some of the work in there to get the ball out of the yard. And, um, you know, that, that sort of trampoline effect that happens with, with the bat, um, you know, is the same thing in, in sticks, you know, when you're buying a stick and now we're evaluating what kind of, what kind of shooter you are. Are you a, a snapshot? Are you a wrist shot? Are you a slap shot? And, you know, where do you want that stick to flex, uh, in your hands, depending on those types of shots. So that stick could do the most it could do to add increased velocity to your shot. Oh, and I'm telling you, we're talking with Kelly Hodson from United Sport and Cycle. Kelly, I'm telling you right now, one of the things I love to do when I go down is going to the shooting lanes there and try out the new sticks. Listen, I I can't believe what a difference. Now, I grew up in a time where, you know, we went down to the local hardware store and got a, a good solid wood stick. And I'm a lefty, so I would get a left-handed curved stick. But these sticks today, I'm telling you what, man, we had them out, you know, in our outdoor skating rink. We put uh, pieces of plywood up behind the nets to stop the pucks from flying all over the place. Man, we're putting pucks through the plywood, man. I'm telling you. And it's a macho thing. But these sticks, again, are it's a great example of are they're allowing us to do things, man, never, never been able to do before. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have a, a lot of us at the store that are, are still in the game at a high level. Um, and no matter what sport we do and, and still, but still one of the funnest times we have, and we do it often throughout the course of the year, we just did it with hockey just last week, but we take the new stuff to the rink or the ball diamond or the soccer pitch or what have you, but we took the new, new items, new products that are available on the market now for hockey and, and the staff went down. We spent two hours on the ice, uh, evaluating the different products and and uh, you know when it comes to sticks that we're talking about it's it was really really unique to me too about okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try this stick with this kick point for this type of shot and then i'm gonna change my shot change the stick understand that the flex point is different in this stick and i'm gonna try it here and you know just be able to try all the different skates and helmets and sticks uh gloves even um is just truly remarkable to me where it just was whatever hockey glove fit the best or whatever stick I thought I liked the best. But now it's, I really got to evaluate myself as a player and say, you know, what, what stick is truly best suits my game and even skate, what skate truly best suits my game? Because it's, it's no longer just about a, a single dimension. When I make that uh, decision, it's now a multi-dimensional decision where we, we ask ourselves a, a number of questions. Yeah, no, it's so great. And it's great for the consumer, Kelly. And there's more than a performance factor here, isn't there? You know, some of this technology is so fantastic, but it's also really, really enhancing athlete safety. Look, in the big, big picture, if we were to go up 30,000 feet, we know one of the top reasons athletes at every level stop playing the game is because of injury. It's one of the top reasons. So anything we can do to keep our athletes safe um, and technology and equipment has a lot to do with that right now. And if we were to look at the helmets and the advancements in helmets, since you and I were kids playing out, out in the outdoors and, and with and what the kids have today, it is incredible. And I'm looking at the new the new CCM Tax X. This is this is a piece of technology, Kelly. I mean, wow, this is incredible for player safety and fit as well, safety and performance. Yeah, it really is a game changer. Um, you know, the the world's first 3D printed hockey helmet that exists out there, and um, they call uh, there's a technology called Nest Tech that they use in there, and and uh, yeah, that the product is developed from a 3D print liner, and and uh, the the liner of the helmet with this Nest Nest technology, and the way that the fibers are are weaved within the helmet allows the energy to be absorbed within this Nest Tech liner. And, um, and also, you know, from a comfort and breathability standpoint, there's nothing that matches it because with all the, the different foams and stuff now, it's all, um, inclusive, meaning that there's no breathability through it unless they stop the foam and, and have breaks in the foam. Um, whereas this Nestec liner allows to go throughout the helmet and piece together. And then it, the, the airflow goes through the actual material itself. It's, yeah, it's really something very unique. Um, that we've never seen on the market before and really combines all the things we look for with unbelievable fit, breathability, 
and uh, and now you're matching some um, energy absorption within the material that is really unprecedented. Yeah, it really is. It is fascinating, man. It is sports science at its very, very finest. Kelly, you know, we talked uh, earlier about restrictions on equipment to make an even playing field. Well, we see it in hockey, right? The curves of the sticks and and we've seen that in the pro level, but also size of the hockey or the goalie equipment as well. And, you know, I go up to the goalie loft at the shop there and, and it's just fun to walk around and to talk to the guys. Okay, so I'll just say this right now. Uh, one of the things I really do appreciate about United Sport and Cycle is the expertise in each division. Like I'm not a goaltender. Uh, I, I played goal a little bit when I was a kid. But I love going up and talking to the guys about the new equipment. This reactive foam that they're now using, you know, in the chest protectors and and in different areas. This is fascinating stuff, you know. I mean, it's like space age watching Star Trek when I was a kid. The stuff that they're using now to keep athletes safe. And and up in the goalie loft, oh, man, there's some cool stuff going down up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that area of hockey has really gone full circle in the sense that, you know, back in the days of, of Tony Esposito and, you know, it was, <laughs> right. you couldn't believe it at the end of a game, they weren't being carried off by a stretcher. The equipment was so flimsy and, and thin and all those things. And, and then of course, then you move up through the transition to, you know, the, the Garth snow era where, you know, he was essentially a brick wall of equipment inside the hockey net, which, um, you know, it, I would, I, I would not do him disrespect to say there was, there was less ability and less athletic ability there, but, but certainly the equipment did a lot of the work. And yet, like you talk about now, the measurements, um, have it be so that the equipment can only be a certain size, but you know, it's, I, uh, I, I every year, and I just went through it actually a couple of weeks ago where I have the guys fit me up. Uh, I'm not a goalie. I've been in the game since I was three years old, but I've never been a goalie. And, and I, and I'm always fascinated by how the equipment fits and, and the new technology that come out there. And so I went through that when I had the guys fit to me, explain to me what the, the new technologies are and, and how the new fitting system works, where mobility is unbelievable. These, yeah. these goalies are able to, to react and, and move so fluently. But, but when you look at them, they look like, like they're just a bunch of blobs. Um, but it's the technology and equipment, the way it's cut. Um, their ability to be able to control rebounds by the different densities of material that they use, foams that they use within the equipment, the way they're able to direct the puck away from the net. And it's, yeah, it truly is. I mean, I, I, I think if my family said, Hey, you want to go to the museum and go look at some art or whatever, I'd probably say, let's go to the goal lock because I'll see stuff in there that I would have far more interest in because it's just a fascinating industry with technology and design yeah and you hit the nail on the head i agree with you i'll go there i'm with you every time so when the family's going to the museum let's just text each other we'll meet up at the goalie loft and we'll talk shop because you're right the one thing that fascinates me is how mobile and quick those goalies are i mean you'd think they look slow and and they, they'd be weighted down and, and and all you know sort of cumbersome but oh my goodness you're right the cuts the strategy and the science into just the 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 shape and the cuts and even the pieces of equipment and how they put together, it is, it's like an orchestra almost an orchestra of equipment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the most natural things, at least when I watch the game at any level, these, you know, anywhere from goalies that are like seven years old up to the NHL level, the butterfly is such a mainstream um, style of goaltending and it looks so natural, but I tell you, you put this equipment on, you try to get down the butterfly. I mean, I had to call nine one one to get me back up. <laughs> yeah. it, I'm, I'm still in rehab, man. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing natural to me about a butterfly and, and, and then at the advanced level, when they're able to kick <laughs> the toes out and have, you know, the essentially creating a, a wall along the bottom of the ice where they called seal the ice. Um, it is unbelievable because it's uh, and but it has you know like we've talked it it has a lot to do with the equipment the way the equipment's cut and um, it really is fascinating we have a couple of uh, a staff up there that play the game at a high level and and to be able to see them put this equipment on and up down slides side to side on our on our uh, synthetic ice and the, and the net that we have in there and be able to you know like I say seal the ice and and take away angles and stuff it is it's it's amazing to me so it's uh it really is a treasure to watch them yeah it really is we're talking about kelly hodson from united sport and cycle kelly well you know one thing that hasn't changed in the history of hockey is the connection between the blade and the ice however one thing that has changed 
is the blade, but also how we treat the blade. And this might be for me and, you know, in my conversations with you and everybody down there at the shop, for me, this has to be maybe one of the most powerful things in terms of performance and safety as well. I mean, this is just a game changer, the profiling of the blades, Kelly. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, it is. It is like there's technology in that area that I guarantee 99.9% of the people listening today have no idea about. Right. Uh, it's it's really taken a leap forward in the last 18 months. Um, and the marketing of it is is at its infancy. A lot of people, most of the people that come in that we see have been customers of ours for years that we have this chat. We've chatted profile. But if I if I'm telling people now that you know, would you like a profile on your blades? And we, we usually all we're talking about is toe, mid or heel. Um, that's what we've been talking about for the last few years. But now we're talking about, you know, whether you want a single, a double, a triple or a quad profile on your blade, four different radiuses on one blade. Um, and we, you know, we're talking about them because um, people are looking for different things within their skating. And, and it all has to do with, you on your blades and your skating style it has nothing to do with position. Like, I mean, I remember profiling started to come. Number one question we'd ask, are you a defenseman? Are you a forward? And all these things. But now it has to do with, um, you know, taking into consideration stability, acceleration, maneuverability, and of course, speed. And almost putting that all into a blender and coming out with the right profile for you. And like I say, to be anywhere from a, a single to a quad profile on one blade. Uh, and we do this through our, our leading performing um, pro sharp machine. Uh, and it, like I say, it's, it's, it's something that when, when we come, you know, for us fitting a pair of skates is an experience for our customers because it's no longer just putting the gauge down your size seven, going back, trying on this pair and that pair and that, and that be the end of it. It's an experience. You want to be able to try out different skates. You want to be able to uh, get the best fitting skate. And then once we go from there, we go to the heat fit and we use the bubble stretcher and, and we're making sure alignment's good after that. And then, and now, yeah, now we got to talk about profiling of your blade because um, it really is. If you're not talking about those things, you're really shortchanging yourself on taking that next step into blade and and skate technology as far as maximizing your performance on the ice through those four different pillars I was talking about. Oh, I love it, Kelly. And you know what? This is not just for the elite players either. I mean, I've played recreational hockey, as you mentioned. I, I've been playing since I was five, six or seven years of age as well. And I still play rec hockey. These guys are serious. They would love, there's not a player on the ice that wouldn't love to have a little more control when they're edging, cutting, transitioning, you know. So this is for everybody, isn't it? Oh, it truly is. I mean, because one of the biggest things you talk about in uh, in blade profiling is stability. Yeah, that's one of the four pillars. And there's not a, a men's league player that I don't talk to that's says, geez, I always feel like I'm going to fall backwards or I always catch my toe in the front. And the, the, the thought mentality of yesteryear was, well, we'll just shave more off the toe then if you're right. tripping on your toe. But that, that's not the way it is now. And yeah, you're, I'm, you hit it right on the head is, is most of the stuff that um, we talk about because you and I like to be gear geeks and we love to talk about that stuff that probably only equates to the 5% of the players playing, but truly blade profiling is a hundred percent of the players that, that are out there because who doesn't want to improve their stability on their ice or improve their acceleration and maneuverability and speed is everybody wants that no matter what level they're playing at. And it doesn't have to be, well, shoot, that means I need to buy a $4,000 this or that. It, I mean, $45 for a blade profile can help you with each of those four pillars. I mean, my goodness, it's a conversation where we should be having with everybody. Yep, I agree. So we're going to have it more and more. You know, I really wasn't familiar. I get it. Playing hockey all my life, you go get your skate sharpened, right? And you, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd sort of edge your your fingernail. Oh yeah, those are sharp. Let's rock and roll. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to work with the great uh, figure skater Jamie Soleil as she was on her quest for Olympic gold, and that's the first time I actually really. Uh, heard or understand the whole concept of, of real focused uh, uh, blade conditioning or blade sharpening, you know, for, for the figure skaters. For her, it had to be a certain way. And I, I never really thought of it until then. But this now, this is taking it to a whole new level. And you're right. Everybody should be talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, 
like I say, it's, 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 it's something for everybody. It's easy, easily adaptable. It's inexpensive at 45 bucks to get it done. And, and the nice thing about it is that if it's not perfect, it, we can make it perfect. And you know, a lot of people that we, we say, Hey, you know, based on the information you've given me, uh, based on what I see in front of me, here's what we best recommend. Now, if it doesn't work, bring it back. And it's not $45 every time. It's once you pay it, we'll make it until it's perfect for you. And sometimes it, re- it involves a, a trial and error. Most of the time we get it right off the first go. But if it's trial and error, then, you know, the beauty part about it is that that we can uh, we can do a little back and forth and, and we can get it right. The next part to that is is the fact that all the blade holders that are out there now on the skates have uh, quickly interchangeable blades. I can I can take my my skate blade off quicker than I can change my razor blade. Yeah. It's, it's that easy. And um, so, um, and I remember, you know, and I think, I think you would remember and most of the people that have played hockey most of their life is, you know, you, you crash into the boards, you crash into the goalposts, you step on someone's stick, whatever, and you stripped an edge and you can never get that edge back. And you're always on the, on the bench with a honing stone trying to get it to be as good enough so you can get back to the next sharpening. Well, I mean, most of the people that are playing now, it's you, you carry a second set of blades. And if you run into that instance now is you can we can sharpen the extra set of blades off the skate as easily. We can sharpen it on the skate. So by having that extra set of blades in your bag, if you run into that instance where you lose an edge, all you do is click in, click out and, and you're on next shift. You don't even miss a shift. Yeah. Uh, and so we really encourage people to to think about when they're coming to buy their pair of skates to buy that second set of blades. Um, there's a number of people we, we, we see actually, it's quite funny. They've fallen in love with the idea of, I get my skate sharpened after every skate. And before driving to and from United every day was just not feasible with one set of blades, but now they have five sets of blades with them. And we see them once a week come in and they bring their skate with the blades, but they're bringing in the four extra sets. And, um, you know, that is, that is definitely, again, among the two or 3%, but most people out there, we just encourage you have a second set of blades. You can have the same sharpening. You don't got to run, you know, to a, a, a pro shop in the rink, and you're not sure if the person in there is going to be able to sharpen it the way you're used to having to sharpen at United. And uh, so you get the same sharpening, the same profile, uh, and uh, it's quick interchange in and out. And you're back on the ice. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, I think that might be happening more than we think. I've got buddies who actually have practice blades and game blades. That's how serious they are. And this is just good, good recreational hockey guys just having fun. So I love that stuff, Kel. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, that is something for everybody. If you're, if your skate holder has the capability of the click in click out system, it's, it's really, you'd have to ask yourself, why am I not carrying an extra set of blades? Why am I finishing my game, my practice only able to give it 75% or 50% because you fear if you go into the corner and you try to turn sharp, your blade's going to you know, kick out on you because you know you have that stripped edge or maybe you're not going to go deep into a turn like you want to because you don't trust what's going to be there. And so it's, yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to put the money in the investment into skating uh, or into playing hockey and, and then you're going to put the money in the investment into cost of registration and games and all those things, why wouldn't you spend a couple extra bucks and get yourself a, a second set of blades so you, like I say, never miss a shift. Yeah, great stuff, Kelly. Oh, fantastic. Well, the hockey season cometh. Lots of new toys to experiment and play with. And I'm going to suggest if anybody out there listening, no matter where you are in the world, if you ever come to Edmonton, if you just want to come maybe as a tourist, this might be uh, the attraction, United Sport uh, United Sport and Cycle. Listen, you can check them out at unitedsport.ca. The main store is at 7620 Gateway Boulevard. I'm going to strongly suggest get down there and just talk to the experts you're going to have fun. I guarantee it. Kelly, this was a lot of fun. Really appreciate the conversation. And boy, oh boy, I can't wait to see what's coming next on the uh, technology front. We've got some uh, sports firing up. Indoor soccer is coming. Football season's underway. So lots to talk about. Yeah, technology never stops. And uh, you're either you're either in the boat or you're off the boat. So yeah, we encourage people to come. And, and like you said, Crusher, if you're going to come to United, don't uh don't think you're going to be here for 15 minutes because you will you'll be here much longer because you what what it is uh what it is to many people is a is a adult or a, a adult store a candy store for for adults because it's uh uh no matter what you know your kid your adult you just want to never stop looking yeah it's fun stuff it's fun stuff you can follow them on instagram facebook and twitter thanks so much cal we'll look forward to talking to you next time 
Yeah, thanks, buddy. So you might think I'm joking when I say, hey, if you're ever in Edmonton, be sure to stop by United Sport and Cycle. If you're in sport in any way, shape, or form, just go in there and have some fun. It is a sport wonderland, uh, and everybody there is incredibly knowledgeable. It's one of the reasons that we love them so much. But uh, if you ever do come to Edmonton, I'm not joking. There's a lot to do here, actually. You know, it's uh, the largest northern city in North America, I believe. Um, but the Edmonton River Valley and its proximity to the Rockies, the little circuit, if you were to go Edmonton, Calgary, Banff, Jasper, that little corridor right there, oh my goodness, it is a special place on earth. Uh, but in terms of a sporting community, it's one of the great ones for certain, whether we're talking recreational, developmental sport, or even professional sport. Uh, this is a sporting town, make, make no mistake. Uh, but a fascinating conversation with Kelly on technology. And, and if you go to your local sports store, you know, I'm sure they have some of this stuff. But the thing that I love about Kelly and the guys down at United Sport is their knowledge on the very latest, like the 3D printed helmets. The CCM stuff is incredible. Of course, Bauer and all the uh, Jofa have the uh, helmet companies have incredible technology, but it just keeps getting better for fit for sure, but also player safety. The stick um, um, industry. It's gone to another level, the skates, but the sharpening, the sharpening of the skates. Listen, we often say this when we do our lectures for, for coaches or for organizations or for athletes, where does movement happen? If I were to ask you, where does movement happen? What would you say? Think about it for a second. And we get all kinds of different answers when we ask our athletes or our coaches this, and, you know, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but if you think about it, really, when we're training athletes to perform, where does movement happen? Well, for us, we focus on the connection between the ground or the playing surface and the bottom of your foot. For our alpine skiers and alpine athletes, it might be their skis. It might be their skates, right? For our, uh, our extreme athletes, it might be the tires of their bikes or their skateboards, right? For our hockey players, it's the skate and the ice. For any land-based or court-based athlete, it's their foot in the ground. If that connection isn't right, if it isn't optimized, listen to me carefully. You cannot play at your best. You cannot. And it's trainable. But what's interesting, when we talk about the technology, like earlier in the show when we mentioned the Nike Vaporfly and how that's totally changed the distance running in the running uh, uh, world, um, that's, a great, that's a great example of technology influencing our contact between the ground and what happens between the foot and the ground. Right, it's fascinating stuff. But if your blade isn't right in hockey, it could tell you this: you are not playing at your best. Just fascinating stuff. Anyway, have to thank Kelly for that great conversation. Also, want to thank Manny Schmidt. A very, very important conversation there as we return to sport. Just from a philosophical standpoint, from a practical standpoint, but also just the pure information of attitude and mindset and things you might need to be thinking about as we head back into a uh, fall sport. Uh, Manny and everybody there at Link Management, just a, such a tremendous group with such a tremendous interest in the long-term performance of, of their clients and athletes everywhere. Love those guys. All right, so we want to thank Manny and his group as well, but also want to thank you guys for tuning in. Hey, please share the show. If you like the show, share it. Share it with somebody because uh, our main objective here is, as you know, is to help you hopefully think about things you haven't thought of before and to bring you information that might get you thinking about things that can help you perform at a new level. That's our mandate here at Crush Performance. So hopefully uh, we're doing that for you as well. So I um, want to thank you guys for tuning in and maybe sharing the show, all right? That's it for this week, everyone. Coming up next week, episode number four in the Crush War on Sugar Science of Sweetness series with Dr. Andy Salen. It is going to be another doozy. Thanks for all your feedback on that one. The Science of Sweetness has just turned out to be such a tremendous angle on diet, nutrition, and how the food we consume impacts our metabolism and our performance. Just great stuff. Lots of really good stuff coming up next week, so make sure you're there for that. Until then, get out there, have some fun, stay safe, and get better. Talk to you next week. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, 
please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 